Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. This is Cesar Pliqueta. This is William. This is Ali Riley. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and you're listening to the London is Blue podcast. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Dan, Mike, Nick, and myself cover all of Chelsea's latest matches, team news, and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you for being an awesome listener, and with no further delay, let's jump right in. All right, well, welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the positive half of the podcast this week. I totally get that last yesterday's was rough, but here we are, an hour later, feeling great about things. I mean, Dan, the sun's out, the snow's melting. I mean, oh, it's it's life's great. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about because it is quite cloudy in Seattle today. So, stuff your sunshine where it don't shine, Brandon. Who would have thought Seattle would be cloudy? <laughs> I know, crazy, crazy, Nicholas. Well, anyways. Uh, right off the bat, thanks Nick and Dan for hanging out even longer on your Sunday as you guys uh, impatiently await your Game of Thrones thing, cult-like following. But here our, we go. Our thing, our Game <laughs> our of Thrones thing. thing. That's dude, That was like when your mom, like when you first started following soccer and your mom's like, well, well, tell me, tell me about this uh, football thing. Hmm? Yeah, that was you, Brandon. You, you were my mom, essentially. That's how that worked. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to go ahead and let you talk a little bit about the Football Blogging Awards. Uh, Big shout out, part two. We are going to continue to annoy you and ask for your help. 
Ask for your friends and family's help. Ask for strangers on the streets' help, Dan. Uh, Football Blogging Awards, you can vote three ways. You know the drill by now. On their website, footballbloggingawards.co.uk forward slash vote now. Click on Best International Content Creator. We are the London is Blue podcast, as you know. Hit that for a vote. While you're at it, go hit uh, Best Podcast and the Chelsea Fancast. We're, We're partnering with them to paint this thing blue. You can also vote on Instagram by going to at Football Blogging Awards, clicking on Best International Content Creator, and then commenting with at London Blue Pod, which is our Instagram handle. That will count as a vote. Finally, Dan, rounding out the trifecta, how does one vote on Twitter? Well, you could vote on Twitter by going to our Twitter profile, and the pinned tweet actually has the instructions on how to do all three of these things. But to vote on Twitter, it's just putting out a tweet. You can copy-paste it right from our profile, but it's I am voting for at London Blue Pod in at the FBAs for hashtag best international content, uh, content creator, period. Done. Easy. That simple. It's to the point where they don't even need it written out in the script. They just have it burned into their memories right now. So well played for you two for committing to being absolute professionals on that. Um, Your work is going noticed. So congrats. But right away, we need to move into the Patreon questions um, and our questions from Discord because... That's what we do on this episode is we answer your questions. So if you want to get involved, you just have to hit us up on social media after the game. We always ask for questions. Or the best way to get guaranteed is to follow us on Patreon or join the Discord server through Patreon. You could submit your questions there. And the lucky person up, number one, is Tony Landeros on Discord saying, Is it a successful season if we finish top four? even though it doesn't feel like it. Uh, Dan, there goes the positive vibe of this episode right away. <laughs> yeah, really just letting the we air tried. out of the balloon. <laughs> we tried. If you had under two minutes <laughs> for the first negative mention, that, that was it. Well, I, not, not necessarily negative, but obviously it takes us down a path of, will this season be considered successful with just a top four finish? And I would say... I don't know if I would call it successful because I think that was the remit, right? The remit is get top four, win a trophy. So if we only get top four, which looks increasingly more difficult every week, which is not a great thing, then I would say, no, it would not be considered a successful season because even in last season where we finished top five, but also won an FA cup, like we still let go of our manager. So the expectation for Chelsea, Nick, is so high, regardless of what the competition is, that I think anything less than acquiring silverware in a season and finishing top four is is not really a good season. Yeah. Uh, so look, we if, if you look at the scope of this season, I think if you were kind of given a top four finish at the beginning of the year, I think every single person on the show would have taken that. It doesn't mean that it's the most successful that this club can, you know, can get or to do that. You know, we, we're a club that wins trophies. We, we want to finish at the very, very top, you know, it just hasn't been in the cards this year. So if you were giving me a top four at the beginning of the year, you were giving that to me now, I would take it and I would consider it a success. And hopefully that we're able to move on and parlay that into future success. Um, it, you know, again, though, and I think where Tony's going with this, it doesn't feel like 
the same kind of vibe that we've had in the past, which is, you know, kind of go on this crusade to win anything and everything. It's a campaign of getting. So why why Tony uh, top four is important is it's important to set us up for next season. So I I think most of us are are done with what's going on right now. We need to look ahead and to attract the best players to get the best financial uh, packages out of Champions League versus Europa League. All of these things that go into it, top four finish is super successful. And it's really important. To me, it's not going to feel like success this season. But as you roll into next season with potential Champions League and knowing that you did finish in the top four and hopefully seeing some positivity. I mean, we're in sixth for quite a while. The fact that we're in fourth, I know we're a, a match ahead, to me is is, is a big win uh, mentally for the team and for the club. Um, and in two years out of the Champions League would be a big deal. And um, yeah, so that's why I think uh, top four finish would be a, a huge success, even though you wouldn't really get the emotional joy out of it like we maybe would have in the past um Aerith muggle asking how do you rate sorry's choices insofar as they maximized our ability to win this match um nick i know we touched on the lineup a little bit um but i guess do you think this was like as good of a lineup as possible for that match no, no i touched on this in part one I didn't think the tactics were out and out wrong. I would have preferred to see Giroud in there because I think in a counterattacking scenario, he is so good at holding up the ball and distributing to a Hazard or to a William or to a Callum Hudson-Odoi that we might have found more joy in the final third if he was up there. But given that he just played 90 minutes two and a half days ago, uh, it was just never going to happen. And you know, I, I wish we lived in a footballing era where players could play two matches a week and just get on with it but it's just not the way that it works anymore dan so you know i think that would have been the only change that i would have made from the out yeah i mean i think that's the one that ultimately would have made the most sense for this match uh i i think the rudiger situation obviously challenged us a bit with christensen having to come in the bench gave him all the attacking options that we had available really so i'm not necessarily certain that i think the selection of players was wrong but maybe the desire to sit back and absorb was where we should have changed a little bit and tried to kind of play a little bit more with the ball try to retain some possession and actually you know fight for balls make it a make every ball a 50 50 versus just allowing liverpool so much time I and mean, you know statistically we had three shots and one on target that's not going to be enough against you know one of the two best scoring sides in the premier league this season to end up taking a full three points away from home. So uh, I don't give him a, a full pass on it, but I think there's also some issues with the caliber of attacking players too, Brandon. Of course. Uh, uh, no, about, no doubt about that. I mean, that is for sure. I think we'll have to, again, it, it, you know, you don't want Iguain next season, so we need to get Champions League so we can we can go after someone. Wait, we were talking about wait, Timo. wait, you don't? Uh, you don't I want know. to take Iguain on that, uh, that full one. transfer? No, no spoilers. <laughs> Just go back to part one, uh, or last week, or the yeah, yeah. We'll leave it at that. Um, you know, we talked about Timo Werner in the in the break. 
and uh, no Champions League, there's no way in hell he'd be coming to us. I mean, why would he? So, um, you know, that's why you kind of have to to, to take a look at it and, and, and see. Um, Mark Clement saying, how many players away is this squad? I'm assuming he means from like being competitive or to the level we want them to be. And then which positions are we not good enough? Well, we just talked about the attacking players for sure. Um, you know, aging right wingers, even though they have a lot of experience, they're just inconsistent. Um, we don't have any kind of um, cohesiveness with a striking option. Uh, take example today, you had two strikers on the bench um, and Ed Nazard playing the false nine. I think you're probably one good midfielder away. And then I think... If you had to, I think we're good at center back, but I think you had to be harsh. You need to look at both outside backs and at least assess and evaluate um, because the depth that we have in those positions potentially isn't what we'd ideally have. So to me, guys, I'm saying right wing, striker, center mid, and one to two fullbacks. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. I mean, I, you know, as of Rudiger's injury, and you know, maybe this is a timely. Uh, part to talk about that you know you might be looking at another center back um, you know just for depth I mean you know looking at like Liverpool for example they have Joe Gomez who doesn't necessarily play a lot who who could step in um, as well so it's it's nice to have that third and fourth option how you keep everyone happy is a whole different scenario but I would be looking at a center back I'd be looking at a uh, a right back I would be looking at um, definitely a striker or two if Giroud doesn't re-sign. Um, so maybe we just start over there, and you know, then you're you're definitely looking at a, another winger if Hazard leaves uh, or two, <laughs> just depending on how, on what you need Dan to to replace that kind of production. Yeah, I think somewhere in the mix of four to five, you know, regardless, I think independent of position is the amount of players were away. I think if you're building back up from where we are, which is how I'm looking at it, you're looking at Kepa is, is here for the long term. You know, uh, a, a Christian, you know, between Christensen, Rudiger, and Luis, you know, you definitely have some combination of center back pairing you could bring into the next season. You're probably looking at Alonzo Emerson and even Aspilicueta as questioning maybe their versatility and some of the the pace and the forward movement. Again, this is operating maybe under the mentality that we keep Mauricio sorry. Um, you know, Ruben has looked to solidify that left center mid. You know, hopefully we, you know, if we retain and Hazard, that's great, but that's probably not going to be the case. So you're going to need more attacking options there. It's, obviously, we haven't solved it at striker, and that should be probably the most pressing area. You know, if we are able to sign players this summer, we are going to overpay because we're going to be in a time-bound situation given the fact that we'll probably still have some level of ban, registration ban to serve. So overpay for Luka Jovic, overpay for Timo Warner, overpay for a couple of up-and-coming and slash proven attackers to really take this you know, offense to the next level and make it a better overall squad. But uh, yeah, I think four to five is probably the right number moving forward, Brandon. I mean, that doesn't seem that unrealistic. I mean, four or five players. I mean, seven, eight, nine, that's probably a lot more concerning. But four to five should be doable. All right, and that's 
that's assuming that you know we we don't have this ban uh, during the summer um right of course hey. everything is is yeah caveated with that uh, all right, well, another one we've got Tom here saying, I actually think this wasn't a terrible game defensively on our side, besides losing Mane on his goal. Not much you can do on Salah's goal. I thought Salah was stiff-arming our players all game, which I'm not sure is legal, but oh well. We could have been a level 2-2 if Eden didn't hit the post or made solid contact on the next chance. What do you guys think our chances of top four are after this game? Should we put all of our eggs in the Europa League basket yet? Yeah. And I, I don't know we touched a little bit on this one, Dan. Um, you know, I think that probably most of us are a little pessimistic right now, not being on solid ground and having played one match more than the other teams. Um, but at least just talk about defensively how you thought the team did today. Yeah, really found a way to mitigate a lot of the attacks that Liverpool were able to string together outside of that even just four-minute window that was so dangerous for us where everybody was somehow catatonic or lulled to sleep by a halftime lullaby or something of that nature. I, I just fly in the wall for the halftime match experience for Chelsea right now. It would be so interesting. I'm just so curious as what it actually looks like. But, yeah, defensively, very uh, resolute for the majority of the match. Luis had a really good game. That uh, He had that nice little uh, step away where – Salah dived Nick, which was uh, quite level-headed from him, and I was uh, very, very appreciative for how well Louise played in this match. Yeah, I, you know, I think especially when Rudiger goes down, you're you're looking to David Louise to play the leadership role and to really kind of galvanize the back line. And look, I mean, not only is it a difficult place to play, it's a difficult opponent to play against, and. Yeah, I think in both Liverpool matches, for the most part, David Luiz acquitted himself quite well. Um, this is a guy who who has these kind of like, I don't know, just really, really bright spots. And you're like, man, I wish this was you all the time. Because, <laughs> you know, especially with the way you can ping the ball up and down the field. I mean, he's he's certainly a, a useful resource. But, yeah, I, I you know. Not only should Saul have received a yellow card for that, it was it was really smart by David Luiz. <sighs> well, I, I said it before. I said overall. I thought defensively we were good, minus 10 minutes. But as I look in our Discord right now, Thurman saying that uh, Jorginho completely just let Henderson go. Um, and and uh, Mane's goal was uh, pretty, pretty frustrating. So I'm sure more will come out in the coming weeks. But, um, you know, as we, start, as we start from here, I think... Uh, it's just, I talked about it. full 90 minutes. That's what this team needs, full 90 minutes. So real quick, take a break, and we're going to continue on your questions when we get right back. Uh, all right, next one up is Aiden from Patreon saying, credit to Marito, sorry for starting Callum Hudson-Odoi here, but this game showed us how far he has to go before being a starter week in, week out for Chelsea. He is far too one-dimensional to trouble the big sides as we saw in his cameo against Arsenal earlier in the season. How do we approach this going forward? Do we need to keep playing Cho against lesser opposition and wait wait it out to start him in big games next season? Um, Nick, I mean, this one seems perfectly teed up for you, man. Uh, like I said in part one, I think uh, you, you don't know how a player performs in big games until you play them in big games. So, you know, I think I, I credit Maurizio for, for starting Callum today. Clearly wasn't, you know, his best performance of the year, but I'm not 
you know, I'm I'm not anti Callum because he played a bad game. I think the you know the the difficult part about this today was that Chelsea were playing in a, a far more kind of defensive counterattacking style than we're than we're used to playing. And so for a guy like Callum who has operated very well just kind of staying in the final third and and really hasn't had to track back a whole lot. I mean, this was certainly an exercise in his endurance and patience and uh, ability to take on two or three guys at a time, Dan. So um, I I still believe that he is a part of our best overall lineup, him, Giroud, Hazard up front. And, you know, to give us our best chance the rest of the way, then I would continue to play him. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And particularly because one more Premier League start also means that Nick will be dyeing his beard blue when we get to Boston, which is a very important consideration for me. Hooray. Yeah, very excited. You you sound so excited, too. But I, I think, you know, structurally, the best thing that can happen is we are able to rotate in these players and give them the type of minutes. You know, we saw what getting cameo minutes for Ruben Loftus-Cheek did to integrate him into the team. And obviously it's there have been matches where Callum has absolutely looked up to it because some of the competition has been maybe a little rung above the Liverpools or the Cities or you know some of the others. But he also looked class against Tottenham earlier in the season. So you know I think, again, it's just developmental. And you're going to have to accept with any player, you know, respectfully, Nick, that, that some are going to have you know, really great matches and there, there'd be some where they're awful and that's just a part of the development process for them. But it's, you know, not getting on any player regardless of age, um, or regardless of stature, because ultimately there are players who have a great match every game. There are players who are, but more likely players have peaks and valleys of good performance, bad performance, good performance, average performance. And it's just up to the fact that you need the whole cohesive team to be at a better level so that they can absorb someone potentially not being a nine every match, which is not where Callum is at this point in his career. Why yeah. not? I thought, I thought that's what we all agreed on. <laughs> Callum yeah. is uh, the future. No, I'm just kidding. He is the future. There's no pressure. It's a, this is a tough one. Um, Aiden, I, I see both sides of it, right? Um, uh, you know, but Liverpool definitely flushed him out a little bit. So uh, Ahmed Bangura saying, assuming we lose Hazard this summer and we can buy players. What players, including Lone Army, are in the starting or in you know up for competition to to start next season? This game highlighted the gap between uh, us and winning the league. Uh, well, I I think that it would be tough to analyze all what forty seven loan players, uh, up and coming youth players, and then potential transfers. Uh, that is why we get Joe Tweeds on in the summer. I'm in. Correct. So <laughs> correct. Can I just commit to doing that? <laughs> In a couple months, I think we'll all be better uh, at I, that point. Brandon, I think we we did go over this a couple of questions ago, which is, you know, f- you know, with his production this year and over the course of his career, you have to replace goals and assists. So Pulisic coming in is a is a big help there. I think primarily in the assist department. Um, assuming that you're able to, you know, and I think it's still a big assumption. It's it's not a done deal that Callum's going to stay with us. But those are two prime options. You're likely getting rid of one or both of William and Pedro up front. Um, and I think William being the most more, more attractive option, given he, he's a little younger um, and, and still has some goal scoring to his game. But 
yeah, I think Dan, you, you likely need one or two other wingers to replace the production that Eden Hazard has uh, brought to the club, and or you need a you need a couple of strikers who are willing to just bang in the goals. Yeah, you know, I think the the one that we kind of talk about, and, and maybe just because he had a a loan at Swansea that wasn't super great, but you know, Tammy Abraham is probably the one after just continuing to light up the championship who probably deserves a little bit more of a, a serious consideration and thought heading into the next season. You know, ultimately, you know, we, we probably will go if we can't buy, go buy a big name striker like a Luka Jovic would probably be the one that, you know, we would consider. I think a Cardi just from a price standpoint, you know, is going to be very expensive and also is definitely more of a uh, posher than a game transformer in the way that you know, Jovic is, and Jovic also younger, so there's a lot of, you know, things that Chelsea, from a talent acquisition standpoint, like there. But, yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see if we could potentially find a way to integrate someone like Tammy in, and then, you know, you see if uh, Giroud is able to stay for maybe another season, and I think that's a, a front three striker solution that makes me feel a little bit better about what we're doing. I mean, obviously the dream is you, you know, also sign someone like Timo Warner. That would be great, because you could play him on the left wing position as well and then that gives you some flexibility to do like a Jovic Warner Callum Hudson Adoy or a, a Jovic Warner Polisic and you get some of the rotational element you want to appropriately maturate some of these players from being a developmental player from being a lone army player into an actual first team player Brandon I think that as you look uh, Reese James is really blown onto the scene I know he's you know not gonna really replace goals even though he has a little bit um, I think he to me as I'm just thinking through players he's probably been the one that's really excited me the most a little bit this season to see what he could potentially do uh, at the next level um, so a, a huge thank you to all of you guys on, on Patreon and Discord for your questions um, you know you guys get them answered if you have questions go to our Patreon page or reach out to us on social via email we can tell you how to get that done uh, but just pulling a couple extra out that we have uh, from social media one from our buddy, Couch CFC Couch Critic on Twitter, saying, uh, what has happened to Aspie? His awareness is just gone. Uh, Dan, do you have any kind of insights? I was on record the first episode saying I thought this was one of his better matches, um, but maybe he's talking a little bit overall this season. It's probably cumulative, I think, more than anything else. You know, I think there were a couple of really stand-up one-on-one challenges here in this match, but you know, pace-wise, he was getting... You know, really, really challenged by you know some of the fastest attackers in the league, and you know Mane and Firmino, and you know not necessarily Salah because Salah was on the opposite side, but yeah, you know, Aspi was stretched, you know, and he has obviously had a lot of passion and, and came up in I think a couple of good moments in this match, but I think generally whether you know you know different from like the assisting Murata so regularly, you know, two seasons back to where we are now. It's just a, a different form. I, I think ultimately you might like him. You like to see him flopped over to the left back position, and maybe this is where like a Reese James coming in next season would be very interesting. I mean, you don't want to continue to shred some of the leadership, shred some of the Chelsea identity pieces that we often bemoan is missing from this side, and you know, just moving Azpilicueta off and onto the bench is probably not the right immediate solution, but. I mean, I think that, you know, you could you could see his fate going that way if we upgraded both 
uh, left and right back positions, uh, Nick? Yeah, I, I I think it's a weird question to have on the day after he played so well. I mean, you certainly could argue this throughout the season that he hasn't been at his best. And I was actually talking to one of my friends at the uh, at the Kansas City Blues uh, today at our watch party. I think Aspi looks his best when we are playing this kind of counter-punching, you know, more defensive shape system because it doesn't force him to stretch so much going forward and then have to recover. So it, it wasn't a massive surprise to me today that he played so well. I think the, the you know, the surprise will be when he gets a couple assists in, in the coming weeks. I mean, look, we, we need a, a solid backup and or a real challenger for him next year. Maybe Reese is that guy. Maybe he's not. I don't know. Uh, I'm not a professional scout, although some claim to be on Twitter. Um, this is a big... I think it's a big couple of of matches for Aspie. I mean, he's unless he's playing in a back three, it's going to be a challenge uh, for him kind of moving forward if this system stays the same, which who knows. Exactly. Big questions yet, unfortunately, this offseason makes everything all the more difficult to kind of try to look at what's going to happen. Is Mitsu still going to be here? Are we playing a 4-3-3? Um, do we have a transfer ban just... All of these things that are adding to the the murkiness of the situation. Um, all right, but the last one we have here is from uh, at Tasha of Coins saying, percentage-wise, how much of this defeat was down to scheduling? Chelsea with two away fixtures, three days apart, international as well, and Liverpool gets home and home five days apart. Marito talked a little bit about this, Nick. I know when I was talking to my Liverpool friends, he tried telling me that it was just as hard for Liverpool as it was Chelsea. And I just said, no, dumbass, because this will be Chelsea's third match. This will be Liverpool's second match. So I, if you want to tell me that Liverpool's next game in the Champions League is more difficult because it's their third match, I get it. But this wasn't apples to apples. And this also isn't the first time we've had issues with FA scheduling. I mean, this is no, no new scenario for us. Um, but just the fact that we had, I, I I think the fact that we're in Europa League puts us at a disadvantage that isn't the FA's fault. So while I don't like the FA making us play on Monday for TV, the fact that we're in Europa League versus Champions League is kind of our own fault, isn't it? I agree. I mean, I think it's completely, you know, part of the Europa League suck hole, uh, essentially. I mean, this, this scheduling on Thursdays, you're pretty much guaranteed to play... Uh, Sunday or Monday and I think that just throws off the schedule from what you're typically used to and you know Chelsea's own performance has put us in this position and you know it's our own performance that can help get us out of this position so let's hope they do it yeah I mean I think that's scheduling me damned I mean it's unfortunate but that's the reality of the situation you have to come up with a way to win regardless of the scenario and you know, it was nice that's the first time we've lost in Anfield in seven years. So uh, that's, that's a nice little nugget to consider and uh, just marinate on as we consider what the future of Chelsea Football Club could look like in the hashtag darkest timeline, which has returned, thankfully, or unthankfully, whoa, after whoa, whoa. a couple weeks on cancellation. Jeez, Dan, we know where your priorities are. An interesting whoa, whoa. narrative. Uh, my narrative? No, <laughs> they are on a top four finish and winning Europa League. But if that doesn't happen, the uh, the narrative will have unfortunately come true, and uh, I will be sadder for it. Yeah, sure will. But uh, 
we've only got a few days until Chelsea are back in action, as I mentioned in part one. Um, at home this time, playing Slavia Prague in the Europa League. It'll be this Thursday, April 18th, so make sure you are uh, available as best you can be for this afternoon kickoff. Um, the first leg, probably not as exciting as we maybe would it would have liked, Nick, but at the end of the day, we got the job done on the road. one nothing away goal. Uh, we had to burn a few starters that we probably didn't want to, um, but, you know, you, you took care of business the first leg. We, we were set up pretty in the second leg. Yeah, it has to be a comprehensive early couple of goals to put this thing to bed. Um, if you watched any of the Benfica-Frankfurt match, you'll know that the, you know, should we advance, and I fully expect us to, that the next level of competition is going to be significantly harder than uh, Slavia Prague. Uh, so the the team needs to sharpen up and sharpen up quickly. Um, there is nothing given in this competition. Uh, you know, it's just, Dan, I'm, I'm worried that people are already putting us in the final and, and having us win the final because our league form has sucked so much. Yeah, I mean, when you think about the fact you have and Hazard, who's done magic all this season to put Chelsea to where they are. I mean, contributing to over half of the goals that Chelsea have scored this season. You know, I think it's, you know, his best statistical performance ever as a, uh, as a Chelsea player. So we've, we've definitely enjoyed that, but, um, you know, if, if we are, lo- if we lose this match, um, I, I would expect, uh, I don't know. I, I think the, the collapse of the Chelsea fan universe online would self-implode. So uh, let's hope that doesn't happen. It should not happen. But if it were by some crazy stroke of anything, which has just kind of been this season, you know, we've hit the woodwork 21 times in the Premier League, you know, leading the league and doing that, have the second most chances created, yet some of the worst, you know, actual goals being scored in the Premier League that, you know, if the crazy were to happen, that uh, there, there there should be a swift change uh, at, at Chelsea for uh, at least one person and uh, probably more at the end of the season. So uh, let's hope it doesn't get to that. Let's hope it's a win. Let's hope it's comprehensive, and uh, we can celebrate that uh, Thursday evening. All right. Well, that's where it leaves us. So, again, thank you, everyone, for all of your questions. Um, obviously not as many on a day <laughs> after a result like this, but – um, nonetheless, it, it, it's good to hear from the fans uh, right after the match. There's a lot to discuss. We're going to keep the discussion going on our Discord server. You can join through Patreon. Otherwise, we are still very accessible uh, for free on social media. It's one thing you can count on us, Chelsea fans. We're there for you because we are one of you um, just having a chat about the team we love. So that'll wrap us up. Again, Dan, Nick, thanks for hanging out before your thing tonight called Game of Thrones. <laughs> Uh, I, I hope you win, or I hope it goes well for you. I don't. I don't know what to expect. Wow, cool. that was that was a <laughs> cool. yeah. Cool. I think I think Chad mentioned that my explanation of a snake draft should go, in a, <laughs> which was that was an amazing comment. <laughs> listening back was quite awful. Um, uh, I think Brandon's definition of Game of Thrones there also gets some. Uh, that's going to get a medal. That's going to get a gold star. Cool. Brandon is everyone's mom. He's uh, he's being hashtag the best. All right, yes. go to your chores, because guess what? We outie. Uh, until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.